Fulhamish is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Hello and welcome to the Fulhamish podcast. My name is Sammy James. We are your regular Fulham FC audio guide and this is Fulhamish Extra. Extra. Uh, where we preview the upcoming game and give you some extra Fulhamish content. So uh, on tonight's podcast with me, it's Jack Collins. Hello, extra listeners. <laughs> Hello, Ben Jarman. Well, go on, extra. And back for another pod, it's Frankie Taylor. Hello, yeah, it seems like ages since I did the last one. It has been ages, <laughs> it's been a whole three days. Um, so uh, in this podcast, we're going to be previewing Derby County uh, as we head to Pride Park on Saturday for yet another big game in the race for promotion. We're also going to be speaking to uh, Derby fan Chris from Steve Bloomer's Washing. Uh, that is a Derby, well-known Derby podcast. It's a hell of a name for a podcast, isn't it? Exactly, yeah, Steve. Yeah, missing that one. Steve Bloomer's washing. If you see that in the podcast store, you notice it, don't you? Uh, we're also going to be speaking to Fulham bloggers Jack and Loz and also quickly speaking to Dan Crawford with a review of Tuesday's FA Youth Cup quarterfinal. So uh, lots to get through in this podcast. But first, let's have a look at Derby. Oh, actually, first, we need to say that Fulhamish this season is backed by Labrooks. For exclusive specials and promotions, head to bets.fulhamish.co.uk. Exclusive. Nearly Extra. forgot. Right, as I said, uh, trip to Pride Park on Saturday. Uh, Derby haven't had the greatest 2018 so far, but they had a storming 2017, uh, and they raced up to the uh, second automatic promotion spaces with a huge uh, sequence of wins towards the end of last year. But Gary Rowett's side have picked up just a few too many draws, really, in 2018. They've only actually lost once since the turn of the year. There's just been... Uh, a lot, a lot of draws. Strong side throughout, though. Many dangerous players. Uh, and if he plays, Mate Vidra is the one to keep the closest eye on because he's been phenomenal this season. Yeah, definitely. He's obviously the championship's top scorer and he you know, knows where the back of the net is. He's been around for long enough that you know that he's going to be a threat if the ball drops to him in the box. They've got some good players. Tom Lawrence is a very good player and we spoke about him at length when we drew one all with Derby at the Cottage and he was the one that really opened Fulham up that day and and got Derby a point in a game they really didn't deserve anything from. Um, yeah, recently they've dropped a, they've dropped leads recently, which is interesting. They dropped leads against Reading, they dropped leads against uh, leads against Leeds. Um and they lost to Sheffield Wednesday who were actually on a on a terrible terrible run of form but you know they still beat in Brentford 3-0 they've still got points against you know tough sides like Norwich City they're not they're not by any means going to be a walkover and and at Pride Park they're obviously always a, a threat I mean uh, bad memories last year Frankie of the uh, 4-2 defeat uh, it's probably one of Fulham's worst performances last season all over the pitch and at the time it looked like a crucial relegation battle that uh, sorry um promotion battle that we'd um come out second best in it was during a period of uh immense form as well we went there yeah. it was confident it was just going to keep pushing and keep pushing and then out of nowhere david button <laughs> decided to put in a horror show tim ream was not up to his up to his best we just it, we seem to have some somewhat voodoo with the gary rowett side that that 4-2 loss just epitomised. Well, yeah, Ben, you mentioned we've never beaten a Gary Rowett side. He always has very organised teams, and I guess we just struggle to break them down. Yeah, I think we've Fulham have always had this trouble where we struggle to break down teams that are really defensively minded. And even after that, it's those that are really well coached. And I think uh, Gary Rowett teams are exactly that. They're really well coached units, um, and they always cause Fulham problems because they don't open up like other teams do. And I think that's a signature of, of Gary Rowett's tactical nous and a style. 
I mean, uh, Pride Park's not a place we love winning. You've mentioned there that we had a bad uh, performance last season, Frankie, and, and no win at Pride Park since 2002. A bit of a red herring, that stat, because we haven't actually played Derby a, a huge amount of times. But actually, think back to a few games that we should have won there, most notably uh, in the season that we pulled off the Great Escape, where even though Derby were had a record low points total, we still couldn't go to Pride Park uh, and get a victory. But Jack, surely with Fulham in this form, we've got to be confident that we can go there and change that. Well, I mean, we said this last year. Um, but, I mean, you're, you're right. You, the, tr- the truth is that you're right. We, we should be looking to, to go and, and, win, and win this game and, you know, and, and at least, if nothing else, get a point and give Derby a good game of football. And there's one thing not going to Pride Park and expecting a win because I think that's, you know, I, I think you should never expect a win against the side of someone of Derby's calibre. But Fulham are, you know, on, on scintillating form at the moment. And if we put in a performance that, you know, equals what we've been doing recently, there's no reason that we can't at least come away with a point from another tough away fixture. Chris Baird suspended, uh, picked up a red card at uh, yeah. the Madejski, which is a boost Sad. for us. Sad. In a way... Because at 34, he's still doing real bits at this level, which is quite surprising, really, when two seasons ago he was put on the scrap heap by Derby and given to us on loan. We can find uh, real solace in uh, him being suspended on top of them just conceding three goals at Reading. Uh, and Reading haven't exactly been on form this year. Far um, from it. So, yeah, there's, there's definitely an opportunity to score to score goals if that's anything to show. I mean, Chris Baird is the greatest footballer that has ever lived, so <laughs> it will be a big loss for Derby. Uh, the someone... thing that I really liked on Twitter was that when all the, the three or four teams that he's played for uh, put out their pictures, the one in that Southampton kit looks so old. It's unbelievable. The, the kit is amazing. Like It's a really retro kit. Well, he was a very, very young I think starter. I at 18, didn't he? Or seventeen. I think it might even been at sixteen. I have some, I have some recollection that he's one of the youngest players to have played in the Premier League, or something along those lines. I do remember us signing him and him, him apparently having the potential to be one of the best fullbacks in football, and then all of a sudden it just plateaued slightly. I always preferred him in central yeah, midfield. I was, I was just about to say the same. He really was much better there. He did did real bits at centre midfield for us at points. His passing range is so underrated. When uh, I think back to the Juventus the away game, Chris Baird was in midfield for that game. Pulling the strings, right. yeah. madman. And we didn't miss Danny Murphy in that return leg, and we won four one. So therefore, Chris Baird, greatest footballer in the world. Someone posted <laughs> a brilliant throwback of Chris Baird's um, earlier today, and not one that you might remember. It's actually a clearance off the line that he does against Blackpool. Brett Olmerod gets above Mark Schwarzer. Yep. And he's travelling towards the goal. It's unbelievable from Chris Baird, who then runs straight into the net at the Hammersmith end. He could have hit the post. It could have been a complete career ender, but always putting his neck on the line, Chrissy Baird. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, I think this eulogising. He might come and sit with the Fulham fans now, so that might be nice for him. He might, you know, he probably won't. But he'll probably get a decent reception, I imagine. So that'll be that'll be nice. The, the thing is that you know we're, we're eulogising about Baird here, but the actual the fact of the matter is that they actually have Andre Wisdom, who plays right back as well, who will almost certainly just play now, and is you know another player that with with, with quality and has played in the Premier League and you know knows how to do bits at this level and will almost certainly just be fine there. Oh yeah, I didn't think Derby were going to fall apart without Chris Baird. No, I know, but you know, I was looking, just looking at their teams. They have some very, very, very experienced players here. You know, it's it's key. It's Richard Keogh at centre half. Is Huddleston, Davis, Martin Olsen at left back. It's you know, Huddleston, as you say, Joe Ledley plays mm. centre midfield. They're Ryman, Vidra, Tom Lawrence, Nugent. They've got Casey Palmer on loan. 
who obviously did absolute bits for Huddersfield last year. Scored for them at the weekend. Yeah, mm. he did. Um, and then they also have a catchy Anya. They have now Jerome and Nugent rotating around that front three. You know, there's a lot of championship experience here and Gary White will be looking at those heads to guide Derby home. And I think they will probably still make the playoffs, Derby, despite a bit of a blip perform in 2018. They've definitely got enough, I think, to carry them over line into the playoffs. Uh, let's have a look at the starting lineup that Slav might go for. Do you think he's going to stick with that same lineup? He, he made three changes for the Bristol City game, but that was obviously a, a midweeker and he wants to, to use his squad. But with a week between matches, I would imagine. It's going to be the same lineup, maybe maybe one change, but I can't see him making wholesale changes. I don't think he. I don't think he'll change it at all. He's. I think Slav is very comfortable with having a small but very strong group of players, and I think once you're in that circle, then there's little chance of you actually falling out of it. Um, so I imagine that he will name an unchanged squad. What about um, Shea Ojo? That was the only one I wondered if he maybe fancied something a little bit more direct in replacement for Ayite. Came on as a sub uh, against Wolves and, uh, and looked bright. Yeah, he did look bright. You sh- I, I, I agree with that completely. Um, but then I think on the other side of it, we're going to need someone in that's going to be able to track a fullback and sort of protect our lead. Um, should we get one or, or nullify that threat that Olsen has down that side? And I think Aite is probably the best winger to do that. Yeah, I'd keep it as as is. Uh, I think Ojo is a great option on the bench, and he um, and he definitely brings something to the squad that nobody else does. But I'd keep it as is. We've won. Um, we beat Villa with Aite playing, and we've beaten Wolves with uh, Aite playing. Maybe he's the maybe he's the trick. Um, but let's let's just leave it as is. There's no point. We've got a week's break. There's no need to rest anyone. Um, let's just go full strength. And if that's what Slavica thinks is full strength, let's go with it. Well, um, let's hear now from Chris from the aforementioned uh, Steve Bloomer's Washing Podcast. And I started off by asking him whether we may be about to see another infamous Derby second half season slide. We're definitely in danger. Yeah, it's been a worrying few weeks uh second over christmas and new year but we haven't won we've only only won one in six i think it is and uh yeah there's there's rumblings definitely the the mood has soured slightly uh fans are starting to get a bit concerned but i think perspectives needed you know we're still still in the mix still in the hunt and uh you know with fulham cardiff wolves and villa still to play i think it is still just about on our hands for the top six at least but you went on a brilliant run towards the end of last year. You won 5-6 on the bounce. And, and at one point, it looked like you guys were a shoo-in for the automatics. It was looking that way, yeah. And Rowett did actually, Gary Rowett did actually say that we were looking up to how we could catch Wolves rather than over our shoulders. I think part of that was sort of psychological, really. But yeah, it was a great run. And to be honest, we were performing above expectations at that point. If you'd have asked any Derby fan or told any Derby fan in August that we would have been second in December, I think they'd have absolutely bitten your hand off and, and not really believed you. Um, obviously, we sort of finished last season with a bit of a whimper after several near misses in, in the promotion race. And uh, in terms of this year, a top six place would have been pretty much the par for, for most Derby fans, but it's the way we've fallen away recently which has given us cause for concern. What was the opinion on Gary Rowett? Personally speaking, as a Fulham fan... I'm a big fan of Slavisa Jukanovic, but if I look at other managers in the championship that I would enjoy managing at Fulham, I think Gary Rowett's right up there. We actually haven't beaten 
a Gary Rowett's side ever, even in, in his time at Birmingham as well. So he's certainly one that's got one over us on, uh, on many an occasion. He, he looks like a fantastic motivator and a very good organiser of a team. Well, yeah, it bodes well that he never beaten a Rowett side. I, I like the sound of that statistic. But yeah, he is very organised. Uh, we were pleased when we got him for two reasons. A, because he was very harshly sacked by Birmingham in the first place. Uh, it, it really helped them climb the table and they were in the playoff picture when they got rid of him. And secondly, he has an affinity with the club. Uh, he lives, uh, I don't think in Derby, but near to Derby, in, in the East Midlands at least. Uh, and he played, had a great spell as a player with Derby in the mid to late 90s under Jim Smith when Derby had that great spell in the Premier League. I think he gets the expectation he gets what the club are about, and he seems to have a better relationship with the owner, Mel Morris, who has been pre pretty uh, trigger-happy in recent seasons, getting rid of Paul Clement and Steve McLaren and Nigel Pearson. So we're hoping, fingers crossed, that he is the one who, if not this season, can get us to where Derby fans have been longing to be for uh, basically the past 10 years. It seems from afar that the combination of Mate Vidra and Tom Lawrence has been crucial to Derby's attack this season. It was them two that combined for Derby's equaliser against Fulham back at the Cottage in November. How important are they? That they? How important is it that they stay in form if Derby are going to kind of reverse this slump in form that's been happening? Well, Vidra is certainly massively important. He's Derby's top scorer. The Championship's top scorer, I think, has been involved in as many, if not more, goals than any other player in the league this season. Um, won us a lot of points, clearly. Really blossomed this season after being played out of position and being low on confidence under Pearson and McLaren last season. Lawrence is a completely different kettle of fish, to be honest. He was the big signing in the summer, uh, around five million plus from uh, from Leicester, after really having a great spell at Ipswich on loan last season. Clearly got a lot of talent, great close control, uh, a lot of skill. He can sort of drive forward, has got an eye for goal, but he's uh, he's been quite inconsistent this season. I think sort of scored three, maybe four in all competitions. Uh, got a much needed goal in Derby's last game away at Reading at the weekend, uh, where he sort of nipped into a through ball, got a bit of a deflection off a defender, but then buried it in the bottom corner. And that was much needed for him, really, because he's... Um, he, as I said, he's been inconsistent and been a bit of a scapegoat at times for the fans, to be honest, because uh, when things start to go badly, fans who look for, you know, who's not really pulling their weight. Um, and Lawrence has at times sort of taken too many touches, run down the occasional blind alley, uh, doesn't quite give the ball to teammates as soon as he should. So he has the potential with Vidra to really develop into a, you know, a great uh, a great relationship in those three behind uh, the striker, which is usually David Nugent, but we need to see more from him. Uh, but as a pair, Vidra is definitely the one to, uh, you know, who have pinned a lot of our hopes on this season. Uh, there's also plenty of championship and also Premier League experience around this squad. A couple of standout names. You've got Martin Olsen, who's a very good fullback, and Tom Huddleston as well. Who are the key danger men that Fulham fans might not be, though, so aware of? Uh, that we should be watching out for on Saturday that could cause some damage, either in an attacking sense, but also in a defensive sense. You're right, there is a lot of experience, and that's something that the Derby fans have talked endlessly about this season, ourselves included. Um, obviously, Curtis Davis, Tom Huddleston, Scott Carson, Chris Baird. Um, I've got Joe, a lot of time for Chrissy Baird. Of course you have, <laughs> as a Fulham fan, yeah. Uh, Joe Ledley, they've all been there and done it. Uh, Curtis Davis even said the other day that 
he was talking about the spell that Derby are having and he said that, you know, Hull had it uh, a couple of years ago when they went seven games without a win and they were wondering where the next three points were going to come from. But they got their act together, uh, finished in the playoffs and went up, beat Derby in the semi-finals on the way. So they have got that experience. In terms of who's to look out for, um, Casey Palmer, who's on loan from Chelsea, uh, came over in the January window Scored in uh, scored in his last two games. Uh, scored early on against Reading at the weekend and got a very late injury time equaliser at home to Leeds uh, in the game before that. Looks like a sort of a decent stand-in for for Vidra, if not a starter in his own right. Uh, really tricky, sort of shields the ball very well. You know, good in tight areas, which is important, um, and has an eye for goals. So I think he's he's the man who you know we need to share more goals around the team. We can't get promoted with only vigorous goals, and uh, he's one of the players who will be looking to to do that. I want to ask you about um, what Fulham fans can expect from a trip to Derby in just a second, but first, I've got to ask, because I think everyone listening to this podcast right now will be wondering, why Steve Bloomer's washing? Uh, well, it's just Steve Bloomer's washing. Um, it's uh, Derby County's all-time leading scorer is Steve Bloomer. I think he's the fourth... The, the fourth highest all-time scorer in English football history, I think, or something ridiculous like that. He scored about like 300 goals for Derby, like 120 years ago, and the club invented this anthem called Steve Bloom was watching um, about 20 years ago, and it's just sort of a play on words on that really. Plus, I'm a little bit scared of sort of copyright issues, so I just thought I'd uh, slightly change it and go for a name that no one will ever have come up with. Yeah, it's got it's got no SEO value at all, but you know. Who cares? <laughs> um, right, trip to Pied Park. It's not somewhere that Fulham have fared too well over the years. No win there since 2002. Uh, and we struggled there, particularly last season, going down to a 4-2 defeat. But at time of speaking, there's over 1,500 Fulham fans heading up to Pride Park on Saturday, expectant uh, of another good Fulham performance. Uh, what's the best thing about a trip to Pride Park? And also, where should the Fulham fans be looking to drink? Um, it's, it's a bit of a mixed bag. Obviously, Derby... Pride Park being a, a relatively new ground, only opened in 1997. Um, it's got there's a couple of good real L pubs nearer to the train station, um, where I assume most a lot of Fulham fans will be coming from. So come out of the main gates of the station, turn right and go up the road, and there's a good real L pub called the Brunswick, um, which uh, has a lot of good ales on and has good atmosphere. Um, I think away fans are also welcome in the waterfall, which is directly opposite uh, the entrance to Derby train station. Uh, it's a bit more, it's not quite as good in there, but it's okay. Uh, nearer the ground, there's um, a newly opened sort of restaurant bar in the, um, in the southwest corner of the ground called The Yard. I don't actually know if it's away friendly, uh, but if you're not wearing colours, then it should be fine. Um, and apart from that, there's not really much else to tell, to be honest, from my experience. Um, if you want to go a bit further afield, there's a good pub called the Exeter Arms, which has good beer on and has a nice fireplace. As we know, it uh, might shield you from the beast from the east in these cold conditions. Um, that's a little bit, you have to Google it. It's a little bit, it's about a 20 minute walk away from the station. And aside from that, there's like a big Toys R Us and like, you know, couple of beef eaters like a david lloyd fitness center you know <laughs> that's about it all your classics in a retail part of football stadium um i was gonna say oh well no worry there's not too much animosity between uh, derby and fulham fans but actually uh, fulham fans uh, who are maybe uh, at, 
uh, the old baseball ground back in the 70s and 80s might disagree with me on that one. There was a, a few skirmishes, uh, to say the least, about, uh, back in the day. Um, I want to get a prediction from you, Chris, uh, just before we finish this. Can Derby end there? I want to, it's not really a losing streak. You've only lost once in 2018, but you've drawn a lot of games. You've been on a bit of a poor run. Can you end that streak on Saturday against Fulham? Are you confident uh, of getting three points? My heart says yes, and um, for the sake of the argument, I'll say my, that my head says yes as well. I'll say, we are talking earlier about this, and I've offered a, a single goal victory to Derby. I mean, I think, you know, with that experience that Derby have, they'll be as desperate as the fans to finally get a win on the board um, after six games, five or six games without one. So I'll say, yeah, a narrow single goal victory with a, a, Vidra, a Vidra strike being the difference. Chris, thank you for your time on Fulhamish. Cheers. Well, thank you so much to Chris from Steve Bloomer's Washing for taking the time to speak to Fulhamish. I uh, met him at the Asparagus in Clapham Junction, a well-known Weatherspoons, if you've ever frequented that area. Uh, it's a really, really good podcast, actually, and I think definitely in the Derby County sphere it is the leading show. So if you do have a mate that supports Derby and uh, they're looking for some more Derby content in their life, definitely tell them to subscribe to Steve Bloomer's Washing. Uh, it is fantastic. I did a reciprocal interview uh, for their latest show, uh, which is already out uh, on all podcast platforms as well. So if you really, really want to hear uh, more of me, which I'm, I'm doubting that you do, then go check out that episode of Steve Bloomer's Washing. Right, we move from a pub to a cafe, more specifically a Pret-a-Manger, uh, to meet Fulham bloggers Jack and Loz. Their blog has taken the Fulham world by storm. There are so many people that wait to read it every single week. I've been asked so many times to get them on the podcast. So here they are in Hammersmith Pret-a-Manger, Jack and Loz on Fulhamish. Well, describe to me how the blog started and how it has become such a big part of people's weekends. People are like are, are waiting every Sunday to, to read your blog. It's, it's been a phenomenal success. So we've been Fulham fans for quite a long time and we always go for drinks after the game as people were gathered. We always talk about every aspect of the match and one day we were in the pub chatting and Loz's husband said, you guys talk a lot about Fulham, why don't you write about Fulham as well? Which we'd literally never thought of before. And so the blog was born. Um, that was probably three years ago while Kit Simons was manager. And so we've had some bad times and we've had some good times. And really the blog has taken on a life of its own and it's very, very flattering that lots of people like to read it and lots of people comment and lots of people offer us their views as well and long may it continue so obviously there's a natural problem with writing it's very much a one person job I like to think so who does the writing do you take it in turns or do you kind of collaborate do you each take on a little bit initially we took it in turns but then Jack was much better at it <laughs> so she writes it and I just I'm the Andrew Ridgely of the relationship really but um, but no, I mean, we do talk about it. We obviously compare notes on Man of the Match or whatever. Um, and we'll talk about the goals or other incidents. But Jack's the, the word's worth, really, here. <laughs> so, so you are season ticket holders. Whereabouts in the ground do you sit? We sit in H7. We sort of look along the sideline, which Brian Fredericks is usually running up and down. <laughs> <laughs> And have you always been Hammersmith, Hammersmith Enders? 
very nearly always. We had a few matches in the Johnny Haynes, um, but we just like the Hammersmith end. It's just best atmosphere, great fans around us, good view. Uh, we get to see the substitutes warming up in front of us, which is really good as well. So, yeah, we really like the Hammersmith end. What I think you guys do so well is you describe the day out at Craven Cottage brilliantly. There's no other football ground like it in the country. And I think for many people that don't get to matches um, as regularly uh, as us, they, they love it because they feel like they are with you on a Saturday at three o'clock. And today is one of those days where just born for football wasn't it and um, what's your perfect day out at Craven Cottage what, what's your favourite pub what's your favourite way to the ground how, how does it work for you or do you like to change it up uh, well it normally involves a walk along the river because obviously that's all part of the experience um, and uh, obviously we're planning our pub visit after the match and normally it is the OSP the old Suffolk Punch but unfortunately that's closed at the moment so that causes a bit of concern but we've been going to the Blue Boat and that's great and there's lots of Fulham fans there and actually we've been having quite good conversations there um, before the match and before we walk along the river we're often in Pretz and we see lots of Fulham fans and we've met lots of people here too so it's all part of the whole Fulham family experience so it's, it's good fun What do you find so special about Craven Cottage, Jack? The history of the place, the size of it, the fact that it is unique, what the atmosphere can be like sometimes, like on a big match like today against Villa, I think we're all hoping the atmosphere is going to be terrific and that we're going to really contribute to the game. Um, when you guys on the pod interviewed Reda Hangelen recently and he said, you know, against the Juve and, and, and Hamburg matches that the crowd really contributed we we were really part of the victories and i think i think that can be the case in a ground like the cottage where you're so close to the pitch the players must pick up on the emotion in the crowd so yeah there's no other ground like it you know it's, it's great to go to away, away grounds and and see different ones but they're just not the same well, you guys did do an away visit recently. You expanded the pod. The pod went to South Yorkshire. You were at the Barnsley game. Uh, was it a bit different to do a Jack and Laws, not at the cottage, at Oakwell? Yeah, it was, but it was quite good because you just have a different experience. Yeah, And I think being an away fan, you always have a slightly different vibe. And it's because it's more concentrated, a bit more intense. And it was just really enjoyable. And we did the same, you know, pre-match preparations, post-match you know, reviews. And it was really good. And I, I, and I think um, as the season's ramping up, you know, the away matches are getting more critical. So, no, it was, it was great. We want to do more, I think. Let's discuss Fulham. And obviously, by the time that this comes out, we'll have uh, also played Bristol City and Wolves. And uh, we don't know what is going to be the outcome in those matches. But let's assume that the promotion chase is still on. Do you think Fulham can do it? And do you think it will be via the playoffs, if so? Or do you still think automatic promotion is possible? Sitting here right now at 20 past one before the Villa match, yes, I do think automatic promotion is still on if we win today. If we don't win today, I think that probably second place is out of our reach. But I think that this year, as opposed to last year, we're up there now, we're in the playoffs. I think we can hang on in there. And I think the problem last year, or part of the problem, was that we used up so much energy on that amazing run-in to get to sixth place, that by the time we played Reading, we'd maybe run out of steam a bit. And the difference this year is that we're already there and we're the team that everyone around us is going to want to beat. And what were your thoughts back in, in November and December? It really 
was looking like this season wasn't going to turn into anything. I think the um, the Brentford game was pretty depressing, but then there was that Sunderland one as well. And I, I'd be, I'm, I'll hold my hands up and say that I didn't think playoffs were even remotely possible at that point. The fact that we're talking about second place now it, it is remarkable. Were you still optimistic during those months that Fulham could make something of this season, as we have done? No, I had some dark moments. <laughs> I was thinking, oh my God, is this season a write-off already? So no, I did go to quite deep depths, I think. So, um, but you have to be optimistic. That's the whole point about being a Fulham fan, that you know, you, you never give up. And, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, but, but the turnaround has been remarkable. What do, what do you make of, of Slav? Obviously, he's really put his mark on this team. We play some breathtaking football. I mean... For me, it's some of the best football that Fulham have played ever since like the days of Tigana. You know, better than any time that we were in the Premier League. I know the opposition isn't quite to the calibre that we used to play against. What, what have you got to say about Slav and how he has turned this Fulham team into one of the most exciting attacking teams in the country? We really like Slav, as people might have gathered, our deep, dark and dangerous Serb. Um, <laughs> I think what he what is so amazing is that not only has he got us playing the really fantastic football that's beautiful to watch, but that it's successful as well. If anything, that was probably more the case last season, whereas this season it hasn't always been pretty. But then what he's added to it this season is this kind of grit and grind to win the games that last season we weren't winning. Um, and I think we, we you know we've blogged about it recently. There's there's no more Mr. Nice Fulham. We're not giving points away to weaker teams like we used to and I think that is the influence of Slav's personality as much as his tactics. How much do you want to get back to the Premier League? How much do you think it's necessary for Fulham? I mean partially I've enjoyed I've loved the journey of the championship and I was a little bit bored of the Premier League by the end of it going to the same grounds week in week out you know it was a amazing if you won but quite often it was just grinding out draws and, and that was all you could really live to hope for and it's been so exciting in this division but do you think that the Premier League is necessary if the club is going to move forward? Yes I do I mean it is, there are mixed feelings because the championship is so competitive and anyone can beat anyone you know and it's the games have been really really entertaining but Fulham is a Premier side club. I mean, if you look at some of the teams in the Premiership now, there's Bournemouth and Brighton and Burnley. I mean, like, you know, we should be up there. And, and actually, uh, there's some brilliant clubs in the Championship. Um, so, uh, but I think we have to aim for it. I think just being a good Championship side isn't enough. Do, do you think, though, if we don't get promotion in the next couple of seasons, we could unfortunately maybe see a decline as we've seen with other similar sized clubs, the, the, the Charlton's of this world, the Blackburn Rovers and, and other sides like that who have really struggled after, you know, not getting promotion after a few years? Uh, yeah, that's a danger. But we do have money behind us and I think our club and tradition, I think that's less likely to happen. Um, but, but, you know, you don't want that downward spiral. We've got to aim for the premiership and I think it genuinely is where we belong. And what are you making of the team this season? We made some big signings in January. Obviously, Cyrus Christie was one hell of a coup. Uh, and Alexander Mitrovic and Matt Target have come in and made a real impact. I mean, you've got to hand it to the club. They did a pretty sterling job to get those three players over the line. And now we look like we have a real squad capable of, of making it. Absolutely. And I think let's not forget that... It does sound as though several teams were in for Tom, they were in for Ryan, and we didn't sell. 
which other owners might have done. And so, yeah, the squad is looking really, really good. I think we haven't seen the best of Mitrovic at all yet. And um, I think that if the forwards can link up as well as they potentially can, we could be seeing absolutely goals galore in the next few weeks, even against good defences. And you mentioned him briefly then. What's your thoughts on young Ryan Sessegnon? It's 17 years old and it looks like the world is at his feet. And we go as far on the pod to say he's the best 17-year-old in the world at the moment. And that sounds like a ludicrous thing to say, but he, that's, that's how much talent the, the lad has. And it's a joy to watch him at the moment. Yeah, I don't even think he's the best 17-year-old in the world. I think that he's one of the genuinely best young footballers in the world. Um, we had a conversation, I can't remember which match this was after, but not so long ago, sort of saying if he wasn't 17, would we still think that he is really good? And I think the answer is yes. Even if he was 20, you'd be looking at him now and you'd be thinking he's an amazing player. We're so lucky to be watching this guy who I really do think is going to go on to amazing things. He's going to be playing for England for many years to come and yeah hopefully he stays with us for just a bit longer yeah and I think when I was saying about you know do we want to go to the Premier League I guess it's for reasons like that that getting to the Premier League is so vital because he won't be with us forever if, if we stay in the championship and I guess you know we want to still see these you know shining talents at Fulham and I guess that's the reason that we do need to go to the top flight so um what else is on the agenda today for the blog so where are you heading to after after this glorious Bretton Monger and Hammersmith <laughs> I don't know it's still to be decided but I think we might go down to the Crabtree have some food outside that's another good Fulham pub that we like um, and there's generally a good atmosphere in there and then just take our time just in this nice sunny day well um, Jack and Loz thank you so much for being on the podcast today it was an absolute joy to chat to you and I know so many people uh, enjoy the blog for those must be one or two people that haven't read the Jack and Loz blog. I can't imagine there are many out there. But um, how do you how do you find it? How do we follow you uh, in case that people have heard this and, and would like to find out a bit more about the blog? We're on Twitter. Um, our handle, as I believe the term is, is at Jack and Loz, and we will be talking about the Aston Villa game tonight and posting it tomorrow which is no good for you because as Sammy said this is after the Wolves game but um, the most recent blog is always our pinned tweet on our timeline so that's the best way to follow find it on Twitter and then follow the links from there to the blog that's absolutely right Jack and Loz thank you so much for being on the Fulhamish podcast today and hopefully we can catch up soon Hopefully, that'd be good. Hopefully after a Villa win. Thank you to Jack and Loz for speaking to me before that Villa game. Absolutely brilliant to catch up with them and find out uh, all about their very, very successful blog. If you haven't had a read of it, as they said, follow them on Twitter at Jack and Loz, A-N-D-L-O-Z. It's really well worth uh, reading after every home game and they do do the odd away game, as they mentioned as well. So please do give them a follow and I'm sure plenty of you do already. There's uh, tons of people I see every single Sunday waiting for their blogs to drop. Right, let's catch up with Dan Crawford now about Fulham under 18's unfortunate exit to Chelsea in the FA Youth Cup uh, on Tuesday evening it was a 6-0 defeat but the scoreline doesn't quite tell the whole picture Uh, so let's catch up with Dan find out a little bit more how you doing mate very well Sammy nice to be with you thank you very much mate so it was the FA Youth Cup quarterfinal at the cottage last night Uh, Fulham had done very well to get to this point uh, beat some good teams uh, 
along the way, including the shock package Plymouth, who had beaten uh, Manchester City, who were one of the favourites for the competition. It was uh, eagerly anticipated, this game against our local rivals, Dan. Unfortunately, though, uh, the scoreline didn't quite go the way we wanted in any way, shape or form. No, and actually I think it's right to say at the outset that the scoreline, Chelsea scored six goals uh, in all of them in the second half, and it didn't really accurately reflect the um, pattern of the game or the closeness of, uh, of the contest. Fulham did very well for about 55 minutes, and once conceded a very unfortunate uh, own goal, Jaden Muddlesmith put through his own net. Um, we crumbled a little bit uh, after that, Um and it was disappointing, but Fulham tried to chase the game once they went behind, which I think you have to do in a, in a knockout fixture like that. And they were brave in terms of committing players forward. Um, they also missed a penalty and missed a couple of other chances at, uh, when the game was still in the balance. Um, and eventually the superior uh, quality in the final third of our our beloved neighbours told, unfortunately. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that it was fair to say that Chelsea did have the better of the first half, but we did have a few chances and we looked dangerous uh, whenever we went forwards. Francois, for me, looked particularly impressive. Yeah, Tyrese is a very tidy uh, and intelligent young footballer, played perhaps in a little bit more of a, an advanced role um, last night because... Uh, of selection decisions that uh, Colin McBahan, uh took, um, and he had a couple of really good dribbles in the first half, where he, where he, um, with a bit more fortune, he could have got some shots away, and um, there could have been a different outcome. I think it's also important to note, Sammy, that you know this is the twelfth year in a row that, that Chelsea have reached the, the semi-finals of this competition. Um, they've won it for the last four seasons, um, and they played all their big guns. Uh, last night um, Fulham's two best players in this age category uh, Ryan Cessnion and Matt O'Reilly were not featuring um, for Fulham Cessnion clearly because he's playing first team football which uh, we've all been delighted to see him progress to that level O'Reilly's still recovering from injury um, and there was a little bit of a golf in those in those forward areas I'd have liked to have seen a bit more of Sonny Hilton he only came on as a as a substitute um, and so Fulham's two best players were probably Francois um, and Stevie Sessegnon, who played at, at, at centre-half. Yeah, Stephen Sessegnon Sessegn had a brilliant game. He had a very good game. It's, um, it's, uh, and it was difficult for him once we pushed players forward um, in search of getting back into the contest. Uh, he played at centre-back in in, uh, in this competition, which is slightly unusual because he's played at full-back or even in midfield, um, going through the age groups and, uh, and for the senior side. Um, and I still think there are two or three from this team who could certainly be forcing their way in, definitely into the under-23s, which some of them already have, and then into the senior side going forward. What players would you think have the best chance of breaking in? Obviously, Stevie Sessegnon, I think, is one that we all know about and already has kind of been on the fringes of the first team. But what other players there last night do you think do have a realistic chance of making it to either the next age bracket or at least, or maybe even the first team uh, within the next couple of seasons? Yeah, I mean, it's always difficult to judge um, uh, on the basis of, uh, 
of a one-off game, particularly one where I think the boys will admit they didn't quite showcase all of their, their talents. But you look through the side and there are certainly contenders. I think Luca Ashby-Hammond in goal mm. um, is, is a real talent. We've seen that already uh, in this competition this season. He's made two penalty saves as well as scoring a penalty in the in the third round win at, at Huddersfield. Jed Spence, the right back, he got forward very well. Um, at times in the first half. I think Joe Felix is an excellent uh, captain of the side. We've already talked about uh, Stevie Sessignon. Um Chris Kelly, unfortunately, had to go off injured. Uh, he looks quite bright in the in the first period, playing out wide. Nicholas Santa Classe, Santa Classe we've talked about um, on previous programmes uh, with, with you, Sammy. He, he's definitely a, a quality player. Um, and then you've got... Um, Timmy Abraham came on as a substitute last night, and also Sonny Hilton and Fabio Cavallio, who was an unused um, substitute. Those are two very forward-orientated players who can either play as a number 10 or as, as a wide player. They've all got the potential, and I think it's very important. Hugh Jennings said in the build-up to this game, and I, I think he's an oracle in terms of player development, um, uh, one of the best in, in the business. He said it's very important not to see this quarter-final is season-defining. He's always tried to take the pressure off the young players and pointed out to them that it's a process of getting them ready to play senior football, moving them along the pathway. And Slavisa Kanovic has already shown that he's willing to put a few in um, as and when... Uh, he feels it appropriate. Well, it was also unfortunate for the Fulham under-18s last night. They're going to be a bit gutted this morning as to how it all kind of turned out for them. And also, the club put out, put out all the stops last night. So I watched it on the uh, the Fulham FC TV stream, which had uh, Jim and Jamie commentating, which was really excellent, actually, because I couldn't make it down to the cottage. The weather didn't help. And it, it was nice to be able to watch it uh, kind of free of charge if you've got that service. And the thing I thought last night was, yes, it ended 6-0, but it could could have been very different there were two key moments for me we actually missed a very good chance just after going 2-0 down uh, it was a lovely run up the right hand side and then Kelly and Harris kind of clashed going for the same ball and what was a pretty good opportunity if that makes it 2-1 then it could have been a bit of a grandstand finish unfortunately uh, they kind of collided with each other Chelsea got it clear and then only moments later it's 3-0 and then it's going game over but also Santos class at 3-0 misses a penalty and okay, I don't think we would have made a comeback, but again, could have made the score respectable and, and, and the boys will rue uh, a couple of those chances because it could have punished Chelsea and also given the uh, the fans that went down there last night something to cheer about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're fine margins in, in, in mm. these games and, and the two moments you've highlighted encapsulate that. Um, it's a terrific run by Reese, who's really come on as a footballer, I think, in the last uh, 18 months or so. He, he showed real pace to get get behind that Chelsea defence and it was just unfortunate there um, Harris and uh, and Chris Kelly got in each other's way and the penalty is a terrific save I think from, from the goalkeeper um, but the boys will learn about how you need to take your chances keep your composure in those forward areas but just on the wider sort of promotion of this exceptional bunch of young players from from Fulham, I, I thought that was excellent. I'm told, I don't know if this is true, you'll be able to tell me, um, Sammy, that Jim steadfastly and successfully refused to say the name of our opponents throughout the entire broadcast. Yeah, it was quite impressive oh. at, at moments. It was mostly oh, I mean, just saying that uh, Fulham have uh, lost their opponents 6-0. He did it He did it subtly, but it was definitely noticed. 
No, I mean, so he's done this several times before when we played them, as he likes to call them. And, uh, you know, I applaud his uh, his courage and indefatigability uh, in, in doing that. Um, but the one thing for everyone who might have tuned into that, I know we have a lot of listeners who are interested in the in the uh, age group sides, is to continue your support of these teams. The young players really value uh, the support that they get at Motspur Park for some of their games. If you can get down to a 23s game to see some of our our slightly older players or you know, try and get along to, to see the boys in action, you'll be richly rewarded because we do see some wonderful uh, players. They are a, an excellent team and last night's results didn't detract from that. And we've also got some fantastic young lads coming through the younger age groups. The club are obviously trying to keep keep under wraps a little bit at the moment. Um, but you know, last night's results shouldn't diminish the work that's going on with the academy and our pride at some of these um, exceptional young men coming through and, and putting on the Fulham shirt. Well, completely, and and especially last night, I still felt a lot of pride. I, th- I still still thought it was a very good performance from Fulham. We held them for fifty minutes, and to be honest, it was Premier League quality from Hudson Odoi, who has played. Um, coming off the bench for the Chelsea first team at points, you know, this season. And you could just tell he was a bit of a cut above. And I'm sure if we had uh, some of our lads that are now playing for the first team, you mentioned Ryan, Matt O'Reilly as well. I think it could have been a very different outcome. Chelsea obviously took it very seriously. So I think the boys uh, should, once they've kind of had a few days to wear off the pain of what happened last night in terms of the amount of goals conceded, hopefully hold their heads up high because I thought it was a, I thought it was a brilliant performance from the lads. Dan, uh, thank you ever for uh, giving us a bit of a lowdown and um, I'm sure we'll have you back on Fulhamish uh, sparring with uh, Mr Collins very soon. Cheers, mate. Thanks a lot. Hello and welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. So thank you to Dan for speaking to us about Tuesday's FA Youth Cup quarterfinal. Uh, so we need to uh, wrap up this week's Fulhamish Extra. And just to say that next week, Jack is on podcast hosting duties. So he's going to be uh, looking back at the Derby game. Hopefully it's another uh, victorious one for Fulham. Uh, and then also we'll be back, hopefully, with a uh, Fulhamish Extra looking back at the Sheffield United game, which is coming up later that week. So um, hope you have a brilliant weekend. And all that is left for me to say is to Jack Collins, thank you very much. Thank you, Sammy. To Ben Jarman, thank you. Thank you, Sammy. And to Frankie on his second appearance. Top work, my man. Thank you, Sammy. Well, we'll see you later. Have a great weekend. Take care. Toodles. Toodles.